Hey, everybody, this is Melissa McKenzie, publisher of the American Spectator. Joining with me again on the Spectacle podcast is Scott McKay, the Louisianan, the crazy hayride fella. And what? last week, what? we pro yeah, I'm, I'm a Texan. Oh You're Louisiana, crazy Cajun. Uh, anyway, uh, we had promised all of you that this week, and the thing is, I don't know how many of you saw last week's podcast because it was taken down by YouTube. Thanks, Spencer. Uh, yeah. And we had promised in that podcast that we would be positive this week and that the whole podcast would be just filled to the brim with good news. And so we're starting this week with the speaker news and the state of the GOP in the House of Representatives because according to Scott McKay, the man, the myth, and the legend, he says great things have come out of that. So, Scott, what's happened? Well, I, you know, look, we got Kevin McCarthy as speaker, which was kind of always going to happen. Um, but we got Kevin McCarthy under circumstances that are maximally uh, positive for both the conservative movement and I think the Republican Party. Um, you know, if you're going to be the party kind of on the outs, if somebody else occupies the White House um, and also occupies the uh, the Senate majority, um, it's good to be the party of the country rather than the ruling class in Washington. And, you know, Kevin McCarthy was a guy who pretty much everybody understood as being, you know, by and for and of the ruling class. Um, but for him to get to be speaker he had to agree to open up the House of Representatives as the people's house in ways that it has not been for a very, very long time. And they passed a rules package, uh, I guess, on Monday that was, you know, exceptionally good. I mean, you're going to have legislation have to run through committees and get committee markups and you're going to have members doing amendments on the floor you've got a single subject rule which to me is the number one most important reform that uh, of congressional process that needed to be done no more of these garbage omnibus bills that's all gone you've even got you've had uh, changes and reforms to the rules committee so that you know these things can't be gone back on um you know they're going to set up a church committee on weaponization of the FBI and other governmental agencies, which is really good stuff. There's also going to be an oversight committee looking into the origins of COVID, which is a fantastic thing that that sh you know really should have been done, you know, long before now. But of course, Nancy Pelosi wasn't going to do that. Um, so there, I see like a whole bunch of really good things. Now, is any of this stuff going to you know dramatically change your life? No, because over the next two years, you're going to be stuck in Washington gridlock. OK, now gridlock is actually a good thing. OK, when they legislate less and govern less, it means that you have more freedom to live your life. And typically speaking, when we've had great gridlock, we've had a little bit better government than we've had when one party has controlled all this stuff. And as a Republican, I hate to actually say that because you would think when Republicans are in charge of everything, they'd be in a position to do really good things and make things better. And that has not been in the, the, the case at all. You've had awful government when Republicans have, have controlled the House, the Senate, and the White House, and even worse government when the Democrats have controlled all three. Um, so, you know, there's some reason to hope that 
Congress is going to get a good bit better. Um, and if McCarthy actually sticks to the things that he agreed to, which is a little bit of a concern, but with that rules package pass, uh, passing, it's he's got less freedom to do it. You might actually see Congress debating bills and you might actually see a real legislative process taking place rather than what you've seen for the last you know, six, eight years that has been a disaster. When all the bills come through the, the, the leadership and the speaker's office, both on the Republican side and the Democrat side, this has happened. And you get these last minute jam it through, you know, bills where they attach everything to a piece of must pass uh, legislation. And, and, you know, it's not a legislative process at all. Uh, and it's really been a disgrace. And like that's gone now, at least for now. Um, and I think that's something to celebrate. I mean, I, like I'm really hopeful and positive about that. Um, and I think everybody else should be as well. What do you think about, so the one of the rules is that C-SPAN cameras are out of the House chamber. How do you feel about that? Um, well, you know, there's, what is it, house or live.house.gov, right? That, uh, that, you can, that you can see everything that goes on on the floor of the House. So, you know, I don't know that you have to have C-SPAN cameras in there. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I mean, if they're just pulling the feed from the House directly, then I think that that's fine. Um, you know, I like I like transparency, obviously, but how it's promoted, I don't really care. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that um, one person on like Twitter pointed out to me because I was like, ah, I don't know that I want the C-SPAN cameras gone. But they said that it might reduce some of the grandstanding, whereas, you know, speechifying to the cameras rather than actually getting stuff done. I don't know. My favorite thing that came out of this whole speaker thing is that Dan Crenshaw didn't get a committee chairmanship. Yeah, that's like really too bad, isn't it's it? It's so sad. He's my rep, you know. He's oh, my, really? He's well, my you rep. Need to, you need to get about fixing that because he stinks. Yes. Uh, you know, people I, call him Eye Patch McCain or whatever. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I prefer the Cyclops. Is Cyclops. What I, because, yeah, because he reminds me of, and I'm, I don't know if this is a, if I'm dating myself by this reference. I, I, I don't think so, but uh, he reminds me of uh, Big Dan T, who is John Goodman's character in um, yeah. uh, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. Right? Who comes off as this, like, oh, he's kind of likable. And he's in, and he beats you over the head with a tree branch and he takes all your money and he runs away. Uh, and it turns out like he's a member of a really awful organization right. in the back end. It's like, that's Dan Crenshaw. He's yeah. that's big Dan Crenshaw, big Dan Teague. He's the Cyclops with the eye patch, and he's a nefarious actor who everybody thought was a good guy at the beginning and you know finds out, oh no, he's not. Yeah. Um, and and so to me, he's the Cyclops. And John Goodman should lose a little bit of weight and then play him in the movie. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is like, I was like, I hate politics and would not ever want to run for something, but he's so awful. And he's in, uh, he's my district where I have lived now for over 20 years. And I'm like, he does not represent accurately the people who live here. He's well, terrible. Well, you're not Raytheon. Are you Raytheon? Am I? No. No. Okay. Well, then he doesn't represent you because he represents yeah, exactly. Raytheon. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. It's just the worst. And so I, I ugh, the whole thing, it, it bothers me. And having 
it, a funny thing about this. So during the election and during the primary, because I didn't vote for him in the primary, and I voted for this this no-name guy who immigrated from Africa, who I was like, you know what? He seems to have my the Give things that shot. I believe in. Give him a shot. So that's who I voted for. And um, but his Crenshaw's people came to my door like, I don't know, maybe six times. And I, I didn't answer the door ever because I didn't want to talk to these people and tell them why I just is not I'm getting my vote. And so anyways, I was just like, and I've met him. Uh, no, no, just no. no. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so that's a positive coming out of this whole thing. Yeah. Poor Dan Crenshaw is deprived of his... Um, you know, the position he thought and expected he would get. So I'm happy about that. Um, so, you know, this yeah, is I'm really- I'm not sure that that quite fulfills the um, the requirements of a positive show. <laughs> <laughs> positive. I think you kind of shoehorned something in there, Melissa. I'm I not, do think I'm so. I'm not sure we're, we're, we're being true to the spirit of this thing. The way it's we positive to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how our it's listeners like will say, feel it's about like this. saying I'm positive that this sucks. Yeah, but anyway. exactly. Okay, so but the thing is, the 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 changes that are coming, the the fact, and and let's face it, there was gridlock anyway coming, which is a good thing in my book. Um, right. This is the process. This right? the process. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Um, Nancy Pelosi like left a diatribe on Twitter today, like three or four, about how horrible. Uh, Republicans were because we were voting against um, the uh, IRS agents. Right. And I'm like, right. Oh, horse. Yeah. As if it's not the. Go sell horse. that one to the public. Let's see how Yeah, that exactly. Out. Poor middle class are the ones. Now, this is not going to do. A am I wrong about this? Is the defunding of this even doable? It can't get passed. Um. Well, it depends, right? I mean, you know, or, or you pass it, the Senate's going to sit on it. Right. Sooner or later, there's a must-pass piece of legislation, um, and you um, attach it mm -hmm. to that. I mean, I, I'm assuming, I, I actually didn't see what this was. Is it a rescission bill? Yeah, they're basically, they voted to defund the funding of the 80000 7000 and I wasn't right. sure. Was it, was it just a clean rescission or was it something, was it something else? I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Um, okay. So like people who were around in, um, I guess it was 95. I want to say it was, that was the year when they had the, uh, the earthquake hit, uh, I think it was Riverside in California. And there was a bunch of earthquake aid um that you know it's like 30 billion dollars worth of earthquake aid or whatever that was going out to california and they attached this was i guess this was gingrich's crew and they, they were really smart about how they did this is they attached a rescission of a whole bunch like 180 billion dollars or something like that like a whole bunch of crap spending that bill clinton wanted but they put a 30 billion dollar earthquake aid in the rescission bill so in other words, it was like, well, we're cutting $180 billion so that we can spend this $30 billion on the earthquake. Um, can they do that now, though? Because the I don't, know, I don't know. Well, you probably could because it's a straight up spending piece, right? Okay. 
I don't know that it's a must pass piece is the thing. But yeah. the point was it was earthquake aid and they, it was, these were pay force, but the pay force mm-hmm. were way more than the actual earthquake aid was. Um, and so like, they still brag about that. Like, this is how it's done. Right. Because Clinton had, there was no way that he was going to veto. Earthquake aid, California. Right. Yeah. Like there was no way he could do that. He had to swallow this and he hemmed and hawed and he hated it. But at the end of the day, they, they actually got to cut that $180 billion or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's something, I don't remember if the numbers are exactly right, but the point was it was like five or six times the amount of federal aid to California for this earthquake that they managed to cut from the budget. It was all stuff that they had already known. We're going to cut this as soon as we can. It was like, ah, here's our deal. And the thing was like, if you're, you know, if you need federal aid because your house just got destroyed in an earthquake. You don't give a damn about, you know, uh, you know, farm supports for Belgian endive growers in, you know, Kentucky or whatever. I mean, like, you certainly no. don't care about IRS agents and more exactly. and 87,000 more of them. Right. And, so I don't know that this yeah. bill necessarily is, you know, going anywhere. But so long as you have that on the table and you wait for some, yeah. you know, either must pass or highly desirable to pass. A piece of legislation, whether it's, you know, a hurricane thing or earthquake or, you know, whatever, when they're like, oh, no, we got to go spend this money. It's like, okay, fine. We're cutting the IRS agents to pay for it. Right. Um, of course, the other thing is, is you have this CBO is saying, oh, but this will add to the deficit if you don't hire these 87,000 IRS agents. Like the CBO did that. Oh, right. So the next thing Kevin McCarthy needs to do is to fire all the people from the CBO who are, you know, who are running that. Because the, the fact of the matter is, okay, this is not this is something like a trillion dollars more that this is going to add to the federal debt because you didn't have these 87,000 people to go collect the taxes. Right. Please. Well, like one of, I can't remember who it was on Twitter and I apologize for, because I'm going to talk a little bit about the extensive content, is that <clears throat> that the processes of the IRS are so egregious to deal with for the for the public and they're like their phone systems their computer systems are archaic getting an answer is nigh to impossible it's there's just so much waste americans pay their taxes like if you look at the different countries of tax avoidance americans are way at the bottom they pay their taxes and they're afraid of the irs and so they do their best the problem that americans have is that the rules are so archaic it's too complicated it's too complicated, so maybe they make a mis- mistake because they misunderstand. But the problem isn't that they're trying to avoid paying taxes. The problem is they can't get an answer when they have a question. And so are having to submit things that maybe not be are not right, but because they don't know. Or like I, in my case, there's a time where you talk to one IRS agent and you get one answer and you talk to another and you get another. And there's no, there's no good uh, uh, situation for that. And yeah, the, you pick the answer you like and you get audited. And, it's and like, then you well, get audited, right? And and the thing is, is rich people can avoid all this. Like they talk about, well, we're going to get rich people. No, they're not. not rich people no. Rich people have vast They have accounts. tax attorneys and accountants. They know exactly right. how to beat the system. The way, I mean, look, the people right. who pay all the taxes in America are like, uh, they're like the uh, the new money people, right? 
Right. So when you first start making a lot of money, like you get a really good job and now you're going to make a lot of money or you start a business and it takes off or whatever it might be. Right. Okay. Those are the people that pay all the taxes because they haven't quite gotten sophisticated enough to hire the people they need to hire to beat the rap on taxes. But they've got a lot of money coming in and that's the people that get hammered. Okay. Now, those people almost all vote Republicans, so Republicans. So this is you know, like this is the, who they're feeding off of, right. um, and it's so funny because Democrat policies make less of those folks. Um, so it's like everything about this does not work, right? right. Um, but you know, the, you're right. The easiest thing, if you wanted to maximize tax collections in this country, the easiest thing that you could do is just come in with a flat tax. And if you want to make it somewhat progressive, then the easiest thing to do there is to say, okay, we're not going to institute institute this tax until you hit a certain level. And so your effective tax rate, let's say if you did, okay, the first $50,000 a year that you make, we're not going to tax anything. Everything else we tax at 20%, all right? You make $60,000, your effective tax rate is like 4% or whatever the number is. Oh, right. Um, if you like, and it's like, okay, well, we're just, we're not taxing the poor. Now, the way I would do it is I'd make you pay taxes on the first $5,000 worth of income you have. Okay. And then everything else we can take off the table so that everybody's got to pay a grand in taxes every year. Right. And then you have people voting like taxpayers, but you still have a really simple tax system and you go from there. You know, They'll never do that because they built in all of these giveaways in the tax code to all right. of these different, you know, I mean, the number one thing is the, you know, mortgage interest and all this kind of stuff. Even Well, the uh, thing is, speaking of mortgage in interest, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats tried to reverse that the mortgage interest yeah. deduction uh, reforms that the Republicans made. And the only people who benefit from that are rich people in coastal cities. Absolutely. And so absolutely. it's, it's absurd. So that would be a tax cut for the rich. All of this IRS stuff that Nancy Pelosi is bleeding on about, this affects the middle class and everyone knows it. Right. So so like, you know, again, with the lies, it's so the good news is that we at least have a mindset in the house to be for more for the little guy. And with the rules changes that you're talking about, the process in the House is going to be more democratic. Yeah, hopefully. We're going to have a wide open debate, and it, it's actually going to be interesting to watch Congress because it, the last five years, seven years, okay, like if you like, okay, well, let's see what's going on in the House floor, for example. And it's a procession of people upset about something that was done that they couldn't affect, right? You know, I've just voted on a bill that I had absolutely no idea what's in it. And now that I've voted on it, I see that, you know, on page 365, there's this stupid thing that I would have never voted for. And how dare you put this in? Like, that was Congress. Like, that's what you got to see. And now you're going to actually have people debating things. Like, they'll bring a bill to the floor and somebody will come and bring an amendment. Hey, I want to get rid of this piece of crap on page 364, this bill. Right. And I can't vote for it that way. You know, and yeah, that's going to be chaotic. But you know what? The American people will start to see this and go, yeah, take that out of that bill. Like nobody wants that. Right. right. And the well, one lobbyist on K Street that got it put in, is going to be like, oh, geez, oh, yeah. like yeah, that. Right. And so all of a sudden you start to have a little bit yeah. better government 
because it's more responsive to the people because people actually see what they're doing. And they have done an unbelievable job of hiding the ball. They're going to have to do a, a worse job of that based on these new rules. And I got to tell you, I mean, like the schoolhouse rock, you know, alumni is like dancing in the streets right now. Okay. Like we're all going to dress up as, you know, like I'm just a bill guy from schoolhouse rock for, uh, for, um, you know, for, for uh, Halloween this year or, or whenever the next costume party is. I'm going to have to go pick out my costume. I want to be just a bill. Because just a bill is a, is a thing again. Isn't that awesome? It is awesome. So SNL did a funny skit about that during the Obama administration when it says they did the whole skit of the, I'm just a bill, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they, then they did, well, I'm an executive order. They like pushed the bill down the stairs with the Capitol steps. <laughs> and yeah, that's it. So we're really getting back to the way, I mean, it should be. And the fact that so many of the establishment Republicans in the House, it shouldn't be the Freedom Caucus, shouldn't be the only ones who are wanting this. Every single reform that was proposed, and I have to say, it amused me. I I am neither a fan nor critic of uh, Matt Gates. I don't care one way or the other. But him sitting there like a Zen Buddha with a grin on his face while all this mayhem is happening around him, and I was like, these people all deserve this and more. I enjoyed it just for the spectacle of it. And then you had the libs on Twitter screaming, and you had the the establishment people going. How dare these people, you know, it was just the, all the umbrage and all the fake shenanigans. I, and then him just sitting there and pleased as punch. Right. <laughs> it's like, right. I, I found that part of it very enjoyable. And wow. I was like, th the other thing that this achieved, more good news. I'm going to share more good news inadvertently. And I think it's a God thing because I have been assured by people in the know that it was not planned. Republicans are notoriously bad at messaging. But one thing that all of this did is it pushed the January, the January 6th thing was a nothing. Absolutely. This was, it, it stole all of Biden's thunder, everybody trying to talk about the threats to democracy right. and everything. None of that happened because all of this spectacle was happening in, in the house. And I was like, did they plan this? Did like Gates and Trump plan this? No, that didn't happen. It just worked out that way that yeah. all the thunder was stolen, which was a beautiful thing to behold. No, it is. It's absolutely terrific. Yeah, you know, now the next the next step here is uh they need to go rescind that money for DOJ to conduct yeah. more witch hunts of people who apparently escaped the dragnet from January 6th. You know, and so they can go drag these guys off to, to you know, that Chateau de Eve prison in D.C. that they've been putting the, yeah. the protesters in. You're, like, that joking. Means, You're joking, but that's, I mean. No, there's no, I mean, that that is terrible. literally what it is. I mean, yeah. like if you go back and you reread the Count of Monte Cristo or, or watch the right. movie again, and there's the whole scene when, when uh, 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 Edmond Dantes gets brought to, to Chateau de Eve, like, yeah. They bring you here when they're embarrassed by you. Like, you know, right. he says, I'm innocent. It's like, yeah, we know. That's why you're here. The embarrassing, in, embarrassingly right. innocent people are the ones that, that we come here. And we're going to beat the living hell out of you every day, you know, every year on your birthday. And it's pretty much that's what this is. Because nobody is there for, you know, killing Brian Sicknick. I mean, you know, they, they made this whole BS argument about, oh, he was killed. Like, okay, well, who killed him? 
right? Oh, we don't know. Yeah, that's right, because he died of a stroke the next day, right? But you continue to push this lie, and yet you can't show me a conviction or even a charge of somebody that went up for attempted murder or murder or any kind of violent crime on January 6th. This is all people that are in there for trespassing. Right. And how long has it been that we're, we, this is, this is two years, more than two years now? Two years in the gulag. Yeah, for, for trespassing. For being, for being welcomed into the Capitol by the Capitol Police. I mean, look, <laughs> at some point, and what, I, what I'm really hoping, because I, I know this is something that the establishment Republicans don't want to mess with, but at some point, it's, there's got to be, I don't, and I don't even know what's going to trigger it, but there is going to be some, whether it's a cultural event or whether it's you know somebody like Elon Musk tweeting about it or whatever, there is going to be some event that will shift public opinion on the January 6th protesters to the point where your average American is going to say, I can't believe these people are still in jail. At some point that, because look, two years and running, okay? I mean, without a trial, without a trial, no trial, no bail, none of this stuff. At some point, like somebody is going to serve out their sentence and then they're going to, they're going to go, you know, do a Fox News thing and describe what the conditions were like. There will be something. And my guess is it'll happen relatively soon within the next few months. And at at that point, you're going to start to see. Um, a shift in public opinion where people start questioning why aren't these people being let go like what's going on and at that point the biden administration is going to start getting a a good bit of pressure you need to let this like you need to make this go away because this is a problem i don't know that the the thing is that not to be the debbie downer on this positive podcast day but no, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that today. I'm not allowed to do that today. No, you have to save that for next week. Yeah. Okay. I'll say this. <laughs> Color me skeptical. That's oh, all I'll that's, say. That's not. That's not. Uh, yeah. All right, well, just give it to me. What? What? Like? What, all right. Like, I, I, what, I'm, what do I'm, you think? You think these people are just they're too intransigent, intransigent that it'll ever happen? Or I, um, I think that they're that the when you have 50% of the country who thinks, who has been told because of all their media coverage that this is the worst thing for democracy since, you know, whatever, uh, Benedict Arnold. And then you have the uh, Republicans who are so mealy mouthed about it that I I think the, because they hate them too. This is the thing that the establishment Republicans hate these people. They want the any the true believers, the people who would be willing to get on a plane to go to Washington D.C. for someone like Donald Trump, they want those people to suffer because they well, hate just, Donald Trump. I don't. I don't. Just, so, like, I don't see there's any incentive at all for anything to change. Well, but you're going to have this church uh, commission thing, yeah. okay? The weaponization of the government. January sixth is going to come up in that. Okay, and I mean, you're going to have the Ray Epps and the, you know, and the, like mm-hmm. that, that whole thing. You're going to have that. Um, and that could provide some like there is going to be some event. Look, there's always a black swan event eventually when you're doing something that is unsustainable. 
Remember and though, political wait. prisoners is unsustainable in America. It is okay. Now, I don't we, think can so. we have the argument about well, is this still America? Like, fine, okay. I'm going to assume this is still basically America. All right, and sooner or later, there is going to be something that is going to shift public opinion. One of these grandmas who has been languishing in these, so like one of them dies. Okay, and then, you know, the family makes a thing and somebody says something that actually goes viral and it turns into a thing because things can go viral on Twitter now. Okay, they're not being throttled like they were. You're going to have something, some Hollywood actor who doesn't have a right wing deal, you know, looks at some one of these like, for example, Tim Robbins is a total COVID anti-vax guy now. And he's all over the place talking about how terrible it was. They made everybody take this vaccine. You can't get any more left-wing nut job than Tim Robbins. And he's saying this stuff. Eventually, sooner or later, there is something that pops and it starts to shake public perception. Um, The other thing is, is, you know, it's, it's, you you know, you're going to protect Joe Biden when the guy is clearly, clearly non-compost mentis. And they're continuing to try to protect him. And at some point, even the the earnest efforts they're making now are not going to be enough. Are they though? Because the thing is, it's like I think that the I think that the deep state is wanting him gone. And the reason I think that is I don't think we would have heard about the uh, classified files that were in. His yeah, campaign. that was a that was a tell. Yeah, that was a tell. It's, I think it's a shot across so his embarrassing. Back. Yeah. That is so like the the raid Mar-a-Lago and do that whole business that everybody was like, like he's the president he can declassify documents anytime he wants. Right? Like, what, why is this even a thing? Like it was just right. like, stupid. The whole thing was stupid and nakedly you know partisan and abusive and whatever. Right. And now you find out that he's got this whole freaking trove of stuff in this you know vice presidential library that he that as he a vice president. Up. He doesn't have the president's authority right. to declassify. It's, so he's a common citizen who had classified. Right. And, I mean, it's documents. 10 times worse than anything you can accuse Trump of. And you get it. But this is the kind of thing that they would have kept exceptionally quiet. And all of a sudden, it yes. pops. it's like, hmm, that's interesting. Didn't pop, they've known for two months. It didn't pop before the election, of course, because they didn't want the Democrats to get wiped out or something. No, or a, a negative story. It's now, a modified it's- limited hangout. Mm-hmm. But it's a hangout, mm-hmm. right? And it's just, it's like you, you look for these little clues of, you know, kind of chinks in the armor. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they start to show. And meanwhile, he's out there. He gives a speech and says something. And everybody's like, what? What did you just say? And I mean, it, it's more and more frequent. It's happening more and more often. Um, you're going to start to see them pull him back um that they've kind of periodically done which is okay you know don't don't make him as visible because you know he needs some rest and relaxation and you know more Adderall or whatever it is that they give him um and you know and like so at some point these things are not as sustainable as they were I mean I actually think he's lasted a lot longer than I expected him to before the you know dimension the hook, comes, the hook comes out from the side of the well I, it's, look it's gonna happen and the, at that point then it becomes because he's 
bound and determined he's going to run again in 24, right? Like he's bound, like, oh, no, no, I'm running, I'm running. And it's like, how can you run? You can't even get through this term. And at that point, the Democrats who think that they can get Gavin Newsom elected or whoever are going to like they're going to force him out. And at that point, you like that. That's when it's like, OK, so how much leverage can we use to get rid of this guy? And if it's six really bad months of his job approval going down the tubes and then we can get somebody else to ride in and save us. Um, it's better than continuing to put this thing out there, because the one thing about these guys is. Yes, they mark in, march in lockstep. There's no personal loyalty on the Democrat side at all. They will, if somebody is a liability and they can, and they can make, they will run them off. They will eviscerate them and ruin them in no time flat. Look what they did to Debbie Wasserman Schultz, right? I mean, she was a disaster as their party chair, but she was a good soldier. She did what they told her to do. And for her trouble, they packed her off and, you know, off to obscurity with you, right? Um, so they are like they they will absolutely. It doesn't matter if you're a good soldier or any of that. They will absolutely. If you're a liability, they will run you off. Um, and you know, unless you have the goods on people. Um, and I don't know that Biden has the goods on anybody. I mean, his scandals are worse than anybody else in that party right now. So, um, you know, like I don't know what leverage he has when they finally decide what a liability he is. Um, and I think you're going to start to see that play out this year because, you know, you had all the bluster about, oh, you know, we didn't have that. We didn't lose the house as bad as we thought or whatever. It's going to start to sink in that they may not have to pop the power to turn back the stuff you've already done. But you can't pass anything through the house anymore. Like that's over. Like you've got as much as you've got. And now to make policy, you got to do it the way Obama did, which was executive orders. And those people don't like that, right? Like people already know that the presidency is way too powerful. And when you remind them of that by doing executive orders on things which couldn't pass through Congress because they're not popular, you pay a price for that. And the problem is, is that Joe Biden's already got crappy approval ratings. So at some point it starts to become a deal where it's like, okay, like, we, you know, we might have dodged a bullet in 2022, but there's really no way to dodge it in 2024. Because let's remember, they're got, like as bad as the Republicans are, the Democrats are going to lose the Senate. They have 24 of the 34 Senate seats. And like 11 of them are in states that Trump won in either 16 or 20. There's no way that you're going to not, that you're gonna, they would have to win, um, let's well, unless they could take Republican seats, and I looked at the 10, and I don't know how many Republican seats that they could get. They would have to win uh, 23 of the 24 to maintain control of the Senate. And actually, they have to win all 24 because if they, if they, uh, they have to, well, they have to win 23 of the 24 plus the presidential election in order to control the Senate. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, you're already looking at a bad cycle. And, you know, so the way that I mean, they've got to find they've actually got to run somebody popular as president or else they run a serious risk of uh, of of 24 turning into kind of the dam breaking. Now, this assumes that the elections are actually honest and that there isn't ballot harvesting and mules and dominion machines and whatever else you want to talk about. I'm assuming that at the state level, you can fix some of that. 
or that there's scrutiny or, or that the Republicans get good at fixing elections and ballot harvesting by 2024, which is the other interesting thing that's going on that I think is actually positive, which is it's starting to look. I talked to a couple of, of, um, of uh, RNC committee people this week. It's starting to look like Ronna McDaniel might not get reelected as RNC chair starting to look like that you had this letter that there were i think it was 27 uh major donors to the rnc wrote that basically said she's got to go we're not giving another dime until she does and her entire reason for being is what a great fundraiser she is right and now you've got these major donors who are like we're done right not effective we're not paying for this anymore that to me that's hopeful because she has not been good. She has been, we've had three cycles with her running the show and all three of them have been vast underperformance. We're talking about 2018, 2020, 2022. You know, in any job that you do that badly, you're going to get fired and it's time for her to get fired. And we'll, we'll see. I mean, there's, it's not just like people like Melissa and I saying it at this point, there are people who are actually, you know, involved in the running of the RNC or funding it or whatever, who are, legitimately publicly coming out and saying she's got to go we got to get somebody else and i'm assuming that's harmy dillon but it may not be there may be somebody else come up at the last minute um that you know that that uh that that ends up being a candidate we'll see what happens but i thought i'd throw that out well <laughs> so potentially more good news i i i went and scoured the internet for good news um because we were having this podcast come up and I was like, what are some feel good stories that have happened? And there, there's quite a few of them. One that I think that is important for our listenership because of the um, demographics, let's just put it that way. And this is that grandparents who spend time with their grandchildren have fewer COVID complications because they've been exposed to the colds of their grandchildren, which gave them protection against COVID. So all of this, uh, and this came out today. So all of these um, in the New York um, Daily News. So in a New York, in a New York. Oh, and the Daily News is like the worst. So yeah. they reported it. Right. It's a grudging admission. At best. A grudging admission. So grandma, you can be around your grandchildren and actually have it help your health. So, you know, these little stories are coming out for all the scaredy cats out there because it's kind of a, you know, the masking and all of that is, is still kind of a, a way of showing your um, devotion. I, I, I still the, see people wearing a mask alone in their cars. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I want to I want to cut them off and make them stop and reach in the window and take that mask off. What's wrong with you? I don't get it. Like, why would you still do that? You At this point, do you just like wearing the mask? I think it's a religious thing. It's kind of it's, it is the left leftist it's, woke type of it's, it's a version of like a nun's habit. You just no, I, get, I mean, I get that, but like, yeah, a nun's habit doesn't interfere with your breathing. Right. Like, it's uncomfortable to wear that stupid face diaper. Why would you want to wear that thing? It's, I mean, like, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, I remember, you know, because like I, like I grew this beard like not that 
like it, it was a little bit before COVID came out, but when they finally, okay, everybody's got to wear a mask. And they were like, oh, and you have a, if you have a beard, you need right. to shave it because otherwise the mask won't work. And it's like, are you going to demand that I shave a beard? <laughs> Is that where we, I mean, I, like that was the most offensive thing of all. It's not like I'm so attached to this. I think right. I look a little better with it than without, but it's like, <laughs> no, you can't tell me I have to, you, know, you can't grow a beard because your COVID mask won't fit right. It's like, yeah. My God, like, where do these people come from? And the funny thing is, is, well, you know, we're emulating what the Chinese do because the Chinese are like really, really, really good at fighting COVID, right? Like, mm -hmm. they're so much better than us. How's that working out for you, right? Like, the whole country, it's three years on, the whole country is still shut down. Supposedly, got seven different strains of COVID in Beijing alone. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw this, if you, if you haven't, you can find it on YouTube. And I don't know why I'm telling anybody to go on YouTube and look for something because of what they did to us last week. Bastards. Go look at Rumble first. Go but, look at uh, Rumble. Yeah. Uh, Joe Rogan had Peter Zehan uh, um, on as a guest. And he was talking about all these like, big geopolitical subjects. And he talked about China. And I mean, he's, he's, if you've seen Gordon Chang on TV or some of his like mm -hmm. radio appearances that he's done, like Gordon Chang is like a big, big China expert. I mean, mm -hmm. you can pretty much believe everything he says because he, he can document it's true. And Gordon Chang's been talking about the demographic problems that China yeah. has for like a long time. Like, you know, the thing of it, a little bit dangerous because they haven't started the big decline yet. Mm -hmm. And once it starts, they're going to be like scrambling to just take care of their own thing rather than like be an aggressor around the world. But there's this kind of window while well, it's still out there. Look out right, time right. for the rest of it. Zehan's like, they, they didn't even have 10 years. He's like, because this COVID thing has it's totally exposed like how yeah. utterly incompetent that government is. Xi doesn't get information because like people are scared to death to tell him something he doesn't want to hear because that's how you get shot, right? Um, and like, so like he's cut off from reality. That's how you... That's how you get a kidney taken while you're alive. Uh, yeah, after they shoot you, right? Yeah. And then you're not alive, and so it's okay. But uh, And then your family gets billed for the bullet and probably the surgical procedure that took your right. kidney to get to somebody else. Um, but anyway, so like it's, he's like, it's so dysfunctional. You know, and, and you, know, you bring up the, the ghost cities that they built out in the sticks in China that, oh, we're, you know, they were going to put a million people here. And unfortunately, nobody wanted to live there because it was not, it was like, well, it's in the desert and I don't really want to go live there. And there's nothing there. It's like, well, we built all this stuff. It's like, still don't want to live there. And so like the amount of money that has been wasted in that economy they're, I mean, like they're in a state of of crash in China. And the question is, is like, OK, so how do they manage that? And they've got this massive demographic problem um, in China. I mean, the one child policy coupled with, you know, um, East Asian culture. Right? You used to be able to say Oriental culture, but now you can't. Um, I think you just you know, did. I did, didn't <laughs> I? There's a positive thing for you. We're reclaiming the language. Um, so, um, you know, the thing was, is like, you, you want a son, like that's, like, that's the culture. Like you can have daughters too, but you really want a son. And when they told these people, well, you only have one kid, like, well, it's the one kid's going to be a son. So they aborted all the girls and you've got like a hundred, 150 million more men than women of, uh, you know, childbearing age. Right. So how are you going to get married in China? 
right? Like, you know, and these are all like 20 and 30 year old uh, guys. And, you know, like, what are you going to do? And so you've got this massive demographic problem. And like Gordon Chang has talked about this. So like these Chinese demographers have gone and it's like, look, we're going to have half our population in 60 years because there's like nobody to have kids. And something like 45% of the women living, living in urban areas in China um, are saying, I'm never going to get married. And they do not allow you to have a kid out of wedlock in China. Like they don't allow it. You have to, you have to have a license to have a kid, which I guess is a leftover the one child policy. And on the license, you have to say who you're married to. Right. So like, you know, like there's this thing in China where like, you know, girl gets knocked up and she get, pays a guy to marry her so that she can actually go have the kid. So it's like a, you know, it's like this really, really, you know, messed up deal that too much government has caused. And so like China is now in a situation where they're beset by so many problems domestically and COVID has just completely turbocharged that because like all of the cities in China are basically shut down now. And, you know, it's a, it's a massive supply chain issue which a lot of American companies are now currently in the process of trying to make crash changes to their supply chain, which is something that Trump wanted all along was to try to pull our supply chain out of China. And it turns out that COVID that China inflicted on the rest of the world, right, is going to end up being the thing that actually does it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, which is kind of proof that what goes around comes around a little. Um, or maybe it's proof of something that Sun Tzu used to say, which is that if you stand by the river long enough, the bodies of your enemies will float by. Um, and that's kind of like what's yeah. going on, right? Like, I mean, this is blowback because, you know, they thought, well, we'll just shut it down and we'll let COVID, um, you know, circulate to the rest of the world. And then that way, our economic damage from this will be less compared to the rest of the world rather than us bearing the brunt of it. Three years on, the rest of the world is done. Yeah. Right. I mean, you still have COVID and people still get sick from it or whatever, but like it's starting to be recognized and the strains that are still extant in the rest of the world, it's a bad cold. Okay. So we can deal with it. It's, you know, it's, it's like you were talking about last week, it's to kids, it's not more deadly than the flu. Right. And so, you know, you can worry about the flu like you always have, and you really don't have to worry about COVID where your kids grandma, you probably still do. But then, then again, there are very few grandmas that haven't been vaccinated against this thing. Okay, and there's some evidence that the vaccine actually works with old people. Not a lot, but some. Hey, hey, Scott, you know what just occurred to me? Go for it. That, this podcast is going to be booted from YouTube again because we're using the C word. That's okay. That's, go on Rumble. Go, go on, on Rumble. Rumble. This is the, this is the word that cannot be named, evidently, and it gets you banned. But I'm good since I we've think already we should name it every week. Since, since we've already dove into this topic, what some interesting research coming out of Germany, where they have a highly um, vaccinated population, in the last year and a half since the vaccines have come into being, a thirty-eight percent increase in unexplained deaths among those between eighteen and forty, yeah. and so. There, a, a researcher here in the United States who was at one time all for all the COVID vaccines is now yelling, stop, stop, stop. All of these 
and an actuary, the actuarial tables coming out in America, it's not as high as the Germans, which is, I mean, astonishing numbers there, but it's not good in America either. It's about a 17% increase or 20% on the, you know, life insurance and um, people who are unexplained deaths. And and the interesting thing that is to me is so we have that football player that we talked about last week who you know just kind of and we keep seeing this with young healthy people. We had that reporter from uh, uh, Canada's state television that like collapsed on the middle in the middle of doing a yeah that was scary to watch. Wow! Wow! There was a basketball player. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. From, well, it's just happening, school. happening, happening. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's. But we still to, can't. But we still can't talk about it. Like everybody's right? going. You know, it, it's like on Twitter that kind of thing is like. I, there, there was a guy on, and I can't remember his name, but some kind of big deal lefty, and he was saying that uh, because the person who was against the vaccine vaccines was got ended up getting COVID and dying, but he was like sixty something terrible help and was it all the risk factors for dying with COVID and I was like and he was like you won't hear any of the vax deniers talk about this and I was like you won't hear anybody talking about because he's right in this sweet spot for dying from this virus right you know it's sad but it's not remarkable I mean like it's not remarkable a 17 year old who is perfectly healthy and never had a health issue in their life and a week after getting the vaccine falls dead on the basketball court in a high school game. Yeah. That's a concern. Right. And and we've been seeing that. I mean, like if you see the videos of all the athletes strung together, it's like like oh, it's a, a whole, it's a top well like I mean, a horror you know, show. And, and you know, look, thankfully DeMar Hamlin managed to pull through. Yeah, okay. Um and I like that's look, you want to talk positive stuff? Modern medicine worked a miracle with that guy because yeah. You know, like by all rights, he shouldn't be around right now, and he is. And I absolutely love when he woke up, and of course he's got the you know the breathing tube in, mm-hmm. and he can't actually talk. But they gave him the you know I guess they gave him something to write on or whatever. And he's, first thing he says, "Did we win?" And they were like, like uh, "The doc's uh, like, uh, oh yeah, you won, you won the game of life." Yeah, yeah that's not my question. Then yeah. we were like, "Well, he had to cancel the game because you collapsed on the field and everybody got scared." And it was like. Oh, so anyway, um, but well, I mean, you know, I think the positive crazy. thing out of this all, though, is I think the tide is turning. The questions that we were not allowed to ask, I think that are being asked now. And we're, we're going to spend 2023 talking about that very issue. And it's yeah. going to be like we talked about it last week. That is going to be a massive, massive point of conversation in this country. OK, and it's so great that the house is going to actually investigate the causes of COVID while all this stuff is coming out. Like this entire thing is going to be a national discussion that has been denied us for three years. Okay. Which is a big deal. I think that might actually be not, not necessarily a political game changer bigger than that. It could be a cultural and societal game changer. The, the, hopefully the lesson that gets learned is do not submit to authority that is not based on fact and truth and can demonstrate and defend its position because that's everything about COVID. I mean, it was all because I said so. 
And too many people just, well, okay. I mean, these are the public health people and they know what they're talking about. So I guess so. When anybody who had put any scrutiny on what they were telling us would realize this has no basis. Wait, you told us we didn't need to wear a mask. And now you're telling us we do need to wear a mask or maybe we need to wear two and all of this other stuff, right? Like everything about this was wrong. Like just, just didn't even smell right. All of it was, was just counterintuitive and bad. And now... You know, we're finally, I mean, we're seeing damage as a result of it, but we're, we're able to at least see patterns because, yeah. you know, you're always going to see that over time. Like the other thing I was going to mention is Max Mitchell, who is an offensive tackle for the Jets, mm-hmm. um, you know, 25 year old, six, eight, 330 pound guy. I mean, like, you know, great athlete and all this kind of stuff. Um, like his career's over. Cause he turned up with blood clots all over the place. Yeah. Okay. What do they call it? They call it a clot shot. And it's like, yeah, well, yeah was there an underlying cause of this? No. And of course the NFL doesn't want Max Mitchell to say anything. Right. But supposedly like he's, Hey, I'm out of the league. What are you going to do? You know, I mean, like I'll, I'll sue for my pension because you made me take the shot. Right. So like Max Mitchell's like looking for a news outlet to go tell a story to. At least that was the story that I heard. So like, this is another piece to this that's going to become, um, you know, th- I think that's going to become something that they can't hide. They can't deny this. And I think it's, a, I think it's a big deal. Like, I think this is a legitimately big deal. And this is why we were talking about it last week. And obviously it's the reason they pulled the show off of YouTube is because right, you can't right. talk about this. And if it wasn't a big deal, they wouldn't have that rule. Well, now that all of the scientists who were booted from Twitter are back, there is some balance coming to the conversation. And then all of the ties between the government and these pharmacological companies and all the perverse incentives all the way through the system are being exposed. So that's good news. Another piece of good news. Well, wait, before before you do that, I want to give a shout out to um, Jeff Landry, Attorney General of Louisiana. He and Eric Schmidt, who's now in the Senate, I don't know who Eric Schmidt's um, successor as Attorney General of Missouri uh, is, but both of those two like started this unbelievably awesome lawsuit um, where they're suing, you know, it's like big tech, Google and Facebook and the federal government for censoring mm. the dissemination of information about, among other things, COVID. And so you are now seeing as a result of that lawsuit, things being disclosed and it is proven at this point beyond a shadow of a doubt that the federal government was behind the censorship of all of this stuff over the last several years um and i mean this look this is a game-changing lawsuit this thing that's going on really it really deserves your attention because what's coming out of this is i mean like not that everybody didn't suspect that the government was playing a role in the censorship that was going on on social media. But now it's, it's, it's not a theory. Now it's a, it's an established fact. Um, and the question is, okay, what do you, you know, what do you do to act on it? But the thing is, is it's illegal. So, it's fa- you know, it's, it's fascism. And the oh, thing is, so what I was going to say when you, before you, hello, Jeff, nice to talk to you. He's my favorite Cajun. Um, anyway, Jeff Landry, uh, Wish you all the best. Glad you're bringing this lawsuit. It's awesome. I don't know what Ken Paxton's doing here in Texas about that. Hopefully he'll join in. But 
one of the other topics that has been been kind of filtered through this government filtration system, and one of the things we haven't talked about, but is huge, is all of the grants that are given to politic people who they're only given to people who will fu fulfill the political narrative. So like in climate change, oh. you cannot get honest research funded because the federal government will only give people money who are willing to say that, you know, the sky is falling. That's right. And this so has, like this has been true for 20 years, right? And it's true in medicine and it's true. And so people who were at the top of their fields have been utterly ruined by government agencies. And I'm going to say something, the docs who couldn't make it in private practice or in private research and go into the government, always the way it is, or in the, in the insurance industry. Right. The failures never end up actually clinically working with people because a guy like Fauci wouldn't know what, what oh to do God. with an actual human. Yeah, plaintiff lawyers dream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, med mal uh, smorgasbord if, if Fauci was actually seeing patients. Exactly. So we have the failures and the same is true with so much in science where the only thing being funded is the narrative, which is why so much innovation kind of just comes to a screeching halt, which is why NASA has to go to SpaceX or, uh, you know, whatever Blue Origin or whoever is working on the new thing. It's not in the government because the government strangles any new idea because they have old interests to keep fed. And so like the, in climate change, we have been told that uh, the drought in California, that that's it. Well, you know, California is, and I'm kind of curious about this, how the Lake Mead and Hoover Dam are doing uh, because the water was so low, but there's all, been all this rain and everything. And has California spent the money on capturing all this rainwater? Let me answer that question for you. That would be no. Right. But right now, there. this is, and this I'm going to give a shout out to uh, former Texas Governor Rick Perry. One of the things that he did when he was governor of Texas was completely revamp all of the, because we don't have a lot of natural water in Texas. So he built all these reservoirs and pushed that through so that with the population growth that he foresaw coming, we would have water for the people yeah, capture here. Capture the water now. Capture the water. And so Texas is in a good place with that, even though we had had drought for many years because of his foresight. California, with their crappy governance, has not done that. And so all the water that's coming down in barrels right now out there, which is good news because they need water, they have no way to catch it because they didn't invest in the infrastructure and well, they've been running around like we're all going to die. We're all going to die with, with the, the climate change stuff instead of doing something about it to help their people. I mean, it's look, it's not all that complicated. You have next to, I guess, Alaska, you have the longest coastline in America. There's just, just on the other side of that coastline is an ocean of water. Right. Desalinated. It's not hard. It's I mean, it's actually a, it's a very simple procedure um, to, to, to desalinate water. You can do it with a hundred year old technology. OK, it's not I mean, it's it's not a difficult thing to do. And for whatever reason, they won't build desalination plants. And it's like, 
Well, they're I, ugly. They, I mean, that's why they, they wouldn't, well, they wouldn't build the refinery. Like they did all this infrastructure, the refinery infrastructure is failing. So they have to rely on Texas for their refining ability because they don't have enough there, but they didn't, they voted down building another refinery out in California because it would make the coastline not look pretty. Well, and look, I get it, but, you know, find a coastline someplace that's not all that, you know, that's not all that hot. And then just, okay, we're going to build desalination plants and we're going to run freaking water pipelines to populated areas. It's really not that hard. Okay. I mean, like, like this is, this is, I mean, it's the same reason they have power blackouts in California. Right. Because, you know, like, it's like, well, you know, we have to, we, well, brownouts rather, we have to, you know, when it's, uh, you know, like uh, wildfire season, right, we have to shut the power down when the winds get high. And it's like, well, why do you got to do that? And other places, in other problem. Well, because we're not cutting the trees back right. um, where the power lines are. And you know, if the trees get get swung into the power lines, then you know it could be sparks start and we could start a fire. And well, okay, so you should cut the trees back. Oh no, we can't do that, right? Because that you know that might interfere with animal habitats or whatever. And it's like, okay, why don't you do this? How about bulldozing some of the uh, you know the underbrush in these forests? because you've now created them into tender boxes. All right. Like, you know, like why not like, like do forest management. So when you have wildfires, Oh no, no, we can't do that because that's not natural. It's like, well, what's natural is that a forest fire comes and burns all that shit up. Like that's, what's natural. So you're going to get, you know, you're going to either manage the forest or you're going to get the, you know, the natural, like, you know, ravages of mother nature. And the thing is, is it's like, okay, so you guys think the Indians that were there before you, like you think that they were the proper stewards of the land. They burned the hell out of those forests. They right. practiced forest management through fire. Right. They didn't have chainsaws. They burned stuff. That's how they managed the forest. Well, they would yeah. manage, hey, you know, here's how we can harvest animals out of the forest is we burn them over, you know, burn the forest over here and the animals will come running this way. And that enables us to, to like hunt the animals. <laughs> I mean, the point is, is nothing about this um, is is particular na natural or, or proper management. It's all like, it's a fantasy land thing that comes about from a, a total lack of understanding of reality. And these are the people who are in charge of that place, which is this you know, should be a paradise. I mean, it's the reason all these people moved to California in the first place. And it's run by loons. Well, and the, they're turning it into a mess. Well, the and bigger so, thing you know, is, I, I feel like it's a shame. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, y'all still choose to live there. So either fix it or don't complain. Well, the thing is, is what the, the very short term, you know, Democrat, they don't have to be the, uh, they don't have to be responsible to their constituents because so like all that extra that's money that could go to, to yeah that's, so I mean, that's that's really it well there's that but they also have so many payoffs to their special interest groups on the left that they would rather spend that money on worthless things and that's where all the money goes rather than actual you know boring infrastructure stuff that would actually see because i mean if they really wanted to make a difference they would bury their power lines i live in a place where they bury power lines well, guess what? It it's you don't have to worry about wind, and you don't have to worry about forest fires because they're buried. No, well, you might have to worry about earthquakes, but 
you know, yeah. the power lines are coming down in an earthquake anyway. It's just that right. much more expensive right. to fix a, a power line that got cut in an earthquake. But on the other hand, if you have less wildfires, it probably balances out. You know, but they don't even get to these questions. Yes. No. Because what you have is like stupid, um, you know, Luddite management of natural resources. And, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, like, California has got plenty of room to build reservoirs to hold water. California oh. could easily finance buying water from all kinds of different places. I mean, believe me, Louisiana would be more than happy to <laughs> show some water to as much water as they want. We got all the water we could possibly need. You know, like <laughs> when you brush your teeth in South Louisiana, you leave the sink running because it doesn't even occur to you not to, 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 tur to turn it off. And if somebody's oh, you're using too much water, it's like, water is what we got. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. I mean, it's a totally different mindset here because right. we don't have that kind of scarcity. Right. And part of it is, is like, we actually live in a swamp. But the other part of it is <laughs> like, we're not burdened by the stupid environmentalism that actually has no basis in reality. Yeah. Like it has like, you say, oh, climate change caused the, the wildfires. And it's like, there have been wildfires since before there were human beings. Right. And the human beings you guys think are such, you know, like environmental superstars with Indians started wildfires right. for their own purposes and released all that carbon into the air. Right? <laughs> they didn't care. They were fine with it. Right. And you know what? When we came here, what we found was a paradise. Like, wow, how neat is this place? This is gorgeous. Well, the Indians had made it gorgeous by starting wildfires, <laughs> right? And so now you oh, wildfires is the worst thing ever. And it's everything about this is stupid. And at some point, at some point, I don't know when, and I don't know what's going to cause it. At some point, you're going to see those people wake up and it'll be like, oh my God, what have we been doing? At some point, this is no longer going to be. I think it's probably when we find out that we weren't all that wrong in the 70s when they were talking about the ice age that was coming. Right. right? When the, when the, whatever it is, the, uh, the, uh, 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 I can't remember the name of it, the, the meander minimum or whatever the hell it is, where the sunspots become oh, less yeah. and there's less solar energy that comes. And so we get a, a, a drop in global temperatures that's based on the sun and not the amount of a trace gas in the atmosphere, which is carbon dioxide. And you're like, oh my God, it's cold here. Like, yeah, it's cold, right? Like it's it, the sun controls the temperature, not, you know, your Chevy Tahoe. Like, what did you think was going to happen? And all of a sudden- <laughs> That's it's like, a relief because I have a Chevy Tahoe. <laughs> well, there you go. I'm, I'm free at last, free at last. Hey. Now, Ford Explorer. How you doing? Um, so like the whole point is um, at some point, reality does intervene and we, we're going to get to that point. Like, and, and we'll see, actually um, there's a show and I, I actually a couple, I, I watched it, I think right before we basically took three weeks off for, for the holidays. Um, but uh, there's a show on Netflix that was like a hit for, I don't know, two or three weeks. And then it kind of faded away. The show is called ancient apocalypse. Oh, I watched it's, it. You watched it? Okay, great. Thing. We get to talk about this. Um, and it's this this guy who's like this, I guess he's, you'd call he's a journalist, but he's like an amateur archaeologist. Is that right. fair to say? Yeah. I right. Think. And so his theory is, and there's 
things that he brings to the table that are, you know, like, I don't, he's not a total crackpot. There's reasons to believe that this may actually have some validity to it is that there was a, a an advanced human society um, in various places 10, 15,000 years ago. I mean, like the, the, the basic archaeological narrative is basically about 4,000 years worth of real civilization on the planet. And this guy says, no, 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 no. There was, you know, there was things out there that uh, predated that. And uh, there must have been people keeping some of the technologies and things that those guys um, had mastered alive and then kind of re-sparked it in you know ancient Egypt and all these other places, and he goes to all these different archaeological sites, and and you know provides some evidence of what he's talking about. And the 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 gist of what he was saying was that it must have been a comet or something that that I don't know that hit the Earth or came close enough to the Earth that it dumped a whole bunch of of debris on the planet and caused a you know, catastrophe, economic or a, a environmental catastrophe, you know, like there's this whole thing, like if an asteroid hit the planet, it's not so much that we would all burn up. It's that it would kick so much stuff up into the atmosphere that it blocks out the sun, no crops can grow. And that's why everybody dies if a big asteroid hits, hits Earth. So it's something like that basically must have wiped out a civilization that was, that was around in a bunch of places. Okay. Um, and, you know, and he does this whole thing. Point is, um, and I don't know that this guy's right in the particulars of what he's saying, but every, you know, whatever, 10, 15, 20,000 years, you're going to have these kinds of episodes on the planet. And we're talking about climate change that, oh, it may be like half a degree warmer in 100 years. And it's like, you have no idea what's going to happen in that 100 years. Like we could literally get smacked by an asteroid and it's all done. Uh, Yellowstone, the caldera at Yellowstone could explode, which is, you know, I, I mean, you're talking like geologic time, so whatever, but like we're about due for that to happen. And like it's happened three or four times over the course of the last 1.82 million years um, where this thing blows and it's a super volcano and it blocks out the sun and all that. like these things are stupid to be discussing when you have very very massive things out there that are essentially planet killer type events um which are incredibly possible that could happen to us well i'm not saying next year i'm just saying you know if you're if what you're worried about is 100 years from now you know, oh, the seas will rise X number of inches or whatever based on this little, you know, temperature uh, increase in 100. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, there is so much going. Like, think about 1923, all right, which, you know, it's, it's a, a number that's like in the public conscious now because of the Yellowstone prequel that's, that's, that's out there right now. But in, think about 1923 and what was, what was real and true in the world at that point and compare it to right now um, and recognize the accelerating pace of change in society across the globe. And then, you know, project that out a hundred years it's impossible to know what things are going to be like in 2123. Well, the okay. idea that we either worry about that is nuts. 
Okay, so I watched that show and you're exactly right as far as it being insane. So 12,000 years ago, this event happened, suppose the, the his theory, this guy's theory that, you know, and it hit and there was a huge deluge because the the meteor hit or whatever it was, asteroid. And then, and then it wiped out Atlanta and there, you know, Atlantis. And they had, and that would be over in the desert. Okay, all of this stuff. But the thing that he ended with, I don't know if you remember, which I was like, holy crap. He's like, oh, by the way, the they gave the exact pr- where the earth was when all of this happened. In Turkey, there is a- Go back they, to Kaplan. Yes, they decoded it. Mm-hmm. And basically the exact position of the earth to the moon, stars, whatever, back then when it happened, is exactly where the Earth is right now. <laughs> and and they basically warned, and all of the snake mythology, they think, was the comet because of how it was whatever. And, I, and you know, we, my son and I got done watching this, and we looked at each other like, crap! You know, <laughs> now... Forget about going on a diet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, um, there's been a joke on Twitter forever about the sweet meteor of death. And I was like, we may actually get that damn thing. And then what? But the interesting thing, he, uh, the other, well, there was many interesting things in the thing, but at the elevation at the, where they find some of this amazing uh, kind of astro you know, is it astronomy? Is it astrology? Whatever the orientation with the stars. Right. It, it, every single continent had some version right. of some history of this, right. and the and they they had very advanced kind of technology to understand this. That reminds me of a piece of good news, actually, that I looked up, and that is I don't know if you heard or not, but scientists have been trying to figure out why Roman cement is so good. Mm-hmm. And and researchers at MIT, some young smarty pants, figured out how to make uh, cement self-healing. The Romans over 2000 years ago figured this out, which is why all of their roads like through Italy and through Europe still exist because the cement was created to be self-healing and this is an innovation that now we can do. I figure we're pretty near the end. We will start building roads like the Romans. Our infrastructure will actually last. And the sweet meteor of death will, you know, put us all out of our misery. And we'll go back to the Stone Ages. And and the other interesting thing is, is everybody who survived the, these events had to get up to the mountains, had to get into elevation because it wiped out, like, most of civilization, most of the people. Right. And then and then there's a myth of a man who came to all of these different people giving them technology. So I don't know. It, it's interesting it's, to watch. Right. And I like and I'm not going to say that I'm I subscribe to this guy's theory. I think there's a lot of of um, nuggets of fact that he brings to the table that, you know, he's weaving together in a way of his choosing, which is not necessarily the the, right. the, the true narrative of this. But he does bring a bunch of things to the table that are like super interesting. And we shouldn't because there is no written record of right. 
you know, a history from 4,000 years ago or 5,000 years ago or what have you. I mean, we don't have that. What we have is an enormous amount of mystery, like the Europe, the Egyptian pyramids and all this other kind of stuff. Right. And, you're, you know, there are going to be theories bandied about until there's some method by which we can actually find out what happened. Um, you know, and it's, I mean, I think it's certainly plausible that you could have had a uh, civilization that, you know, that, that uh, started earlier and couldn't sustain itself. Um, and it's really interesting because you have a lot of these, you know, primitive cultures had um, the, basically the same myth of people, you know, of the bringer of, of light or whatever, bringer of technology who arrived over the sea. Um, I mean, like the Aztecs had it and the Incas had it um, and uh, the, like the whatever the Indonesian culture from, you know, way back when they had it. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's almost a similar type of, of um, origin story or mythology uh, that you had with all the great religions of the world um is 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 this and so you know i mean something has to explain it and I, i'm not you know i'm not sure what that is this guy puts it out there and he gets immediately discredited by like the entire archaeological establishment in the world right oh he's a crackpot and it's like well okay but you know like what do you have because what you have doesn't explain any of the stuff that he brought out there so let's have a real debate about it and that was kind of his his thing is he's like, well, these guys won't debate me. They just want to call me a crackpot. Well, and the course, other thing is, is that he's getting private funding to do some digs and, and investigations that many archaeologists haven't even touched. And he's also one of the things that I found compelling about his, his talk was that he, unlike the archaeologists, had a certain notion is bringing kind of a human understanding to the past, the culture, and that people haven't changed that much, which I agree with. Right. So it's not like the people 4,000 years, five or 6,000 years ago since the beginning of modern man are alien to us. It's just that the te technology has advanced. And his point is, is that the needs that people had in the past are the needs that we have now. You have, you have the need to eat. You have the need for fresh air. You have the need for... Um, you know, uh, waste removal, you have the need for watering your crops, all these things required certain kinds of even primitive technology to happen. And so it's not absurd to view history through, through the lens of the people who were making the history at the time. And I think archaeology can kind of be like removed. And the other thing is, is that one of the, that he brought up that I thought was interesting is of course that their entertainment at night was the sky. So their architecture oriented to get the most light from the moon makes sense. Right. I mean, there's certain things that they would have to do in order to kind of, you know, everybody wasn't going to bed at 7 PM when the sun set, what were they doing? They were sitting around a fire and talking, or they were creating sources of light some other way, like using the, the moon capture light, like they did, it makes sense. Right. And so they would have to, they had to innovate. So there's kind of this uh, almost provincial idea that modern man knows things that no one else has known before. And 
And in some cases, that's obviously true. But in some cases, the needs for that primitive, you know, more primitive societies, if they were even primitive, advanced uh, societies that have gone defunct, they had to have medicine in order to live. They had to have certain things in order to live. It didn't change suddenly modern wise. You know what I mean? Like, so that that's the thing that well, I thought. Yeah, I mean, that, well, and it's the, you know, the, the idea that five, six thousand years ago, we were all cavemen. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, civilization kind of sprung out of nowhere. Right. You know, 2500 B.C. It, I, I mean, I've never been satisfied with that as an explanation like that. that, that I mean, to me, it, you had to have had not only a long pro progression toward where we are, like a very long, but these things don't happen in a sort of linear thing. I mean, you know, things rise and fall because they've always risen. I mean, you look at, at what we know of, of civilization has been a story of rise and fall. Right. So why would it not have been that prior to, you know, recorded history, right? Like, I mean, what, what makes you think that, you know, like, okay, well, everybody was living in these caves and then all of a sudden, you know, somebody, oh, let's grow crops, Right. And then we had cities and then we had like and this just kind of all happens like, well, how come it was, you know, four or five thousand years ago when people finally decided to grow crops? Really? I mean, you know, 10,000 years ago, they didn't know. Oh, by the way, this, you know, this stuff that you're eating that you're like picking off the ground, right. that's a plant. And like the seeds from that plant, you can plant someplace else and it'll grow. Right. right. I think they knew that. Like, I think, you know, they probably figured that out. Right. And so, like, why wasn't there, you know, like, you're really going to tell me there was no agriculture, like, six, seven, eight thousand years ago? We know that some of these structures that, you know, they were talking about in ancient apocalypse, we know that these things existed. They've been carbon dated. And you know that they're older than it, like, Gobekli Tepe in in, uh, in Turkey. I think I'm mm -hmm. saying it right. Gobek Gobekli Tepe. I think Gobekli Tepe, I think is the name of it. Which is this was, fascinating archaeological site? But like weren't South you creeped Africa. out though? Like I was like when he was like, he, I don't don't even like entering here. Like the vibe was so bad. I thought they captured. Yeah, supposedly that's a real thing too. Yeah, like the people who back excavated it. There's like all these. It's almost like the you know like the like the Macbeth play of of, uh, of right. archaeology. Like all kinds of weird stuff happened when they unearthed this site. Um, and like they've like they had a lot of trouble, as I understand it, getting workers to do like because they've only excavated a, a small portion oh, small, of like this, man, like this. They covered yeah. this entire hill of all this stuff. Like they've you know they've done the the what is it the, the sonar? Um, yeah, lidar. Uh, yeah, right. And mm -hmm. you know so they know that there's all kinds of stuff underneath that they haven't uncovered. But it's like really really hard to get people to want to go work over there because it's like such a rotten place. Um, I, you know what I was thinking? I was like, that is where God has Satan chained up underneath the earth. And we're messing with stuff that we, every time we get into this, I was like, what are we doing? You know, like, I, like if Michael Crichton was still around, he would yeah. absolutely write a book about that. You know, like, yeah. it's, oh, hey, like we've unearthed this entire thing. And then like all hell breaks loose. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, yeah, but I mean, um, we know that that's like way, way older than anything in recorded history. And it was clearly a, an advanced society that built this thing. Like it was clearly that, um, you know, that had yeah. a, an organized religion of some mm -hmm. sort and had 
you know, the, the, the I mean, they obviously had some sort of written language because yeah. otherwise there's no way that you could have the architectural knowledge to build the thing the way it was built. Yeah. Right. It's like, I mean, machine, really. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, probably on along the lines of like Roman technology, at least, but this is eight, 9,000 years old. Okay. Right. Before. Um, and so like that blows up the narrative and you can't deny that it's there. And I can't remember the name of the place that the, the series starts from, but it's this yeah, place yeah. on this hill in Indonesia. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, they, they built this whole chamber inside of this structure on top right. of this hill. And, and it's like, you know, they don't even know how old this is, but they know it's really old. Um, you know, and it's like, okay, well, I mean, and it's tucked in the middle of nowhere. Right. But everything about the thing, it suggests an advanced society. Yeah. And you had the yeah. same thing in, was it Malta? Mm -hmm. um, and then you had all this stuff in, um, you know, Mexico mm -hmm. and all of these other places yeah. on, on this thing. I've never been, I've never even heard of this, this thing in Ohio. I know. I never, I was like, how have I never... Serpent. Yeah, I've never heard. Was it Serpent Rock or something? They Serpent call it? Rock. I and I lived never in Michigan my whole life, and I was like, I've never heard of this this thing, and now I want to go and see it. I know. I mean, it was like and, like this super neat thing. Like they built this earth mound in the shape of a snake, pointing um, to the yeah, and then like the and then it's like precise um, astrological uh, orientation, so that so that it faces the stars and all this kind of stuff. And you know, over not too far from where I am is Poverty Point. Right. Which Have you been there? They make a big thing in Louisiana. Oh, you know, this is a tourist thing, and people need to come. And I'm like, okay, I know where Poverty Point is, and there is zero reason that anyone, <laughs> anyone would go to Poverty Point because it is literally in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, there is nothing there. And yet it's a pretty fascinating little, yeah. you know, place, right? Where they kind of built these, you know, these mounds um, kind of overlooking, it's kind of in the Mississippi River Delta, sort of. Um, but I mean, it's very precise, you know, mm -hmm. astrological orientation, the way they did this thing. And, you know, nobody knows what this is for. Right. They right. don't know how old it is. They know it's really old. Right. I mean, like really old um yeah you know and it's and it's it's these things are not explained no they're not explained like you don't no. know what this stuff is and you go okay oh this guy's a this guy's a creep and he's a fraud and he's you know pushing these these uh you know these theories that are you know not right okay fine so so you explain it and the archaeological community is mute on the subject they have nothing to offer just that that guy's wrong. And I'm like, no, nah, that's not good enough. And I'm not saying I believe him, but I'm curious about this. And right. I want to know, like, give me some alternative theories that work. And the fact that they're not coming up with any tells me y'all aren't the authority you think you are. Well, I think it's true in all of the science is that there becomes an internal bias and to, to be accepted, you have to think certain things. And that's why the innovation, once again, like with Elon Musk and SpaceX and everything comes from without the, the, right. you know, the ivory tower types, because they're not, they're in, more interested in protecting their hegemony over information than they and are and this risking is, it. This dates back so long. It's not even, I mean, go back to Galileo, for example. Right? Oh yeah. I mean, this has right. been the case throughout human history. 
um, that you know you have an establishment that is corrupt and is not interested in new things, believes things which are wrong, someone comes along and disrupts it and usually pays an awful price for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then ultimately is proven right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and I mean, like this is true in America on so many fronts right now. Right. It's you know, it, it, you almost get excited because it's like these walls are all going to come down sooner or later. Yeah. Um, and I can't wait to see what comes next. Um, so, you know, we'll see. OK, I want to I mean, we're a little over time, but I do want to spend the next like four minutes talking about probably the most important positive thing that has happened. And <laughs> and that is the sad story of Harry, the spare um, prince of or maybe no longer Prince of England and Meghan Markle having severed their ties with such a tyrannical regime and uh, that they are no longer suffering and that they are speaking their truth. <laughs> okay. Actually, I, I'm joking, everybody. I don't... I, Here's my thing about the Meghan Markle and the Prince Harry thing. I just, I want to be spared, speaking of spared, spared of seeing his stupid face. And why do Americans have to deal with them? Um, this seems like a other people problem. No, this is totally an other people problem. Um, the world is not short of celebrity beta males. <laughs> Um, of which he, he killed twenty five people. He What's killed that? he killed twenty five people. Um, not with his bare hands. <laughs> I mean, him talking about it, I was like, "What is wrong with you, dude?" Yeah, I, like nothing about him. He is. This is a. This is a. You know, poor little rich boy is what this guy is. Yeah. And I, you know, like everything about him uh, is unimpressive not much about her is impressive like i like we were talking about before that we started the show i hated her in suits i hated her in suits. she was like the most irritating awful part of suits um and and like somehow she's a star because of that and you know it's like well but she's hot it's like mm, there's hotter um, well she's beautiful no question i've never seen i mean her. she is i'm not but like does it justify that <laughs> no like, how irritating she is i no. mean this is actually what i tell you what she reminds me of she reminds me of aoc like i think like you know i mean you know the, the ethnicity is different but the personality is pretty similar right mm -hmm. like it's the drama queen attention hog um, uh, you know, like every bad thing that happens to me, I've got to go rush to social media and make a big thing about it. And, and like the rest of the world is like, I don't care about your problems. Right. Like, I mean, like, like my problems are bigger than your problems and nobody cares about mine. So why should I care about yours? <laughs> and the, and the, you know, this kind of, we've had this, this, I think it's, I think it's in decline along with a lot of this other stuff, but the celebrity media has latched onto these people as like, a lease on life. You remember there used to be an enormous amount of celebrity media. Like we were, we were absolutely enthralled with the lives of all of these people that were more, you know, the famous and uh, more famous. And that's really like, if you've noticed, that's really gone away. It really has. Last, 
eight to 10 years. Like there is, people just don't care anymore. Um, and I think a lot of it probably had to do with like the Epstein stuff and some of this other, you know, developments that people just really got to the point where they decided they didn't like celebrities. And maybe it was because all of them decided they had to talk about politics all day. Um, but people like people don't care about Hollywood movie stars and they don't care about, you know, the Paris Hiltons of the world, the celebrity heiresses like people just don't give a damn. And so Harry and Meghan come along and the celebrity media, which has been you know, dying on the vine, is like, oh, let's give them more of this. And I just don't think it really resonates like I like, you know, like I you know, just get in conversation with folks and. I mean, very few people have brought up Harry and Meghan, like very few. And in you know, 10, 15 years ago, I mean, the way like or, or going back further than that. I mean, you remember when Princess Diana was a thing yeah. that poor woman, I mean, they they actually, I think, probably ultimately killed her yeah. because the, the, the psychopathic attention that they used to put on her was so much that nobody could nobody could do that. Um, and you know, and like, you know, it ended in tragedy, but like now I don't think anybody really cares about Harry and Meghan. Like, well, the I, thing is, is they wanted to get out of public life because, you know, uh, Harry oh, right. couldn't see, can see that oh, his wife sure. going through that. So they come to America and then basically reveal every aspect of their lives publicly. Right. On a Netflix series. It's and like, um, she's got a Spotify podcast. And the whole thing, they're just annoying. Like, yeah, I was like, if you wanted to be quiet and go somewhere, I, I dude, I can respect that. Like, I can see it. It wouldn't have thrown kid. you out of the royal family if you'd have just said, hey, we want to be quiet. There's plenty of members right. of the royal family that, like, don't get in front of cameras at all. Right. And those are the ones I respect. Right. Because they're just like, you know, well, look, I'm just collecting rents from my just vast amount of property in London. <laughs> and right. just like, that's enough. Right. And I'm, right. You, know, you can find me at the polo club. Good for them. All right. Live your <laughs> life and leave me alone. And, you know, like that I'm fine with. But these attention whores, I, like, I, I just can't abide it because I look at Prince Harry and like, I don't see much that you're doing in your life that is better than what I'm doing. And, you know, like the rest of it can be explained by the fact that you've got real privilege as opposed to like normal folks who have probably more talent and work ethic and character than you. And so what, like, why do I care? Like, what do you bring to the table that I should spend my time worrying about your situation? And she, I mean, oh my God, the whole, like, you remember that, like the only scene that I've seen from this thing where she's like doing her like exaggerated, you know, um, uh, curtsy that's, oh, this is what they do. And I'm like, shut up. How many women would like have caused zero problems for the queen mom uh, to be a part of the British royal family? I'm mean, even saying that's a thing that I would, like what but like how there's right. billions of women who would be like okay i'll do the exaggerated curtsy and i'll learn all the you know the things i gotta say and do and i'll be you know i'll i'll learn all the courtly manners and you know, have somebody teach it to me and i'll behave myself and i'll do what you say or whatever so that i can have unlimited wealth 
unlimited, you know, power and privilege, can go anywhere I want and be welcomed and freaking treated like a royalty. Queen, <laughs> right? Royalty. And it's not good enough for her. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Oh, all I want is to be a regular person. Mm. Really? Really? Let's go chase Target in out in wherever in California these people are. Let's see how much time she spends in Target. Right? She wants to be a regular Let's, person who had her children have titles. Yeah, her children have titles. Well, she and they, she was they're, they're like throwing nine million dollar mansion that they live in, and they're, and have yeah. all the servants. And like, oh, okay, all right, okay. I'm just a regular person. Yeah, whatever. Did you hear about the guy? Speaking of like not a regular person, you want to talk about somebody who's got a little bit more merit. Uh, there was, and I didn't see the entire thing, but I just love this, love this story. There was this guy from South Dakota, I think. Okay. Who wins the Powerball, right? And he goes and he builds this, uh, ranch in South Dakota, 40,000 acres or something and builds this, you know, like unbelievably awesome ranch house whatever, and sells the whole thing at something like, I think it was like a $37 million profit. That, so in other words, here's a guy wins that well, you want to talk about somebody who has outrageous fortune. Okay. This guy actually it won the Powerball and then increased his fortune, right? Built something of value and then sold it and is now better off for having won the Powerball rather than most people who yeah. win and proceed to fritter away all of the money and maybe die broke, right? Like this dude said, no, I won this thing and I'm going to, I'm going to take this money and make more. Right. To me, that guy is worthy, right? Like that is capitalist royalty. Here's somebody, you drop a bunch of money in his pocket and he turns around and he makes more with it. And I don't think we should be celebrating Harry and Megan. We ought to be celebrating that guy. And we don't even know what his name is. Amen. Well, congratulations to you, anonymous North Dakota Powerball winner. We are South Dakota. South, South, Dakota. South Dakota. Uh proud to be an American because of guys like you. And on that happy note, I think we will finish. I think we did pretty good as far as uh this was this was hey, it's in it, it's infectious. Both of us have been smiling the whole time. We need to <laughs> we need to like I'm not saying we're gonna do like a positive show next week because maybe we won't, but what we need to make a rule on this is that if we have a really dour um, you know, mean and nasty podcast like we did last week, right? Yeah. We need we need to make a rule that okay, next week's is gonna be, you know, happy sunny, uh Melissa and Scott. Because I had fun doing this one. I had more fun doing this one than we did last week. And I actually thought last week's podcast was good, even as negative as it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, this hey, this has been more fun. This has been way more fun. Well, we can always end with a positive segment. I think we should do that no matter what. So I think that I will continue my practice of looking for positive stories because they're out there. And uh, I hope everybody who listened to us this week, probably on Rumble, please on subscribe, Rumble. subscribe to us over right. there. You YouTube. can smash the like button and the subscribe button on Rumble just like you can on YouTube. So do it on Rumble. Yes. And for those of you who are listening on Spotify and everywhere else, we appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next week and we will keep the positive vibes going. So tune in next week. We'll, we'll have more positive stories for you. <laughs>